Greetings and welcome. My name is Mike Bankhead. I am your host. I'm a bass player and songwriter from the Jam City, Dayton, Ohio. But really, I grew up in Xenia. My guest today is 2023 Xenia High School graduate, Heba Luxi. Heba is enthusiastic, vivacious, highly intelligent, all sorts of verbose, and just a complete joy to talk to. You're going to like this episode of the You Could Be My Aramis podcast. This episode is brought to you by my new single, Good Times, which has been out for one week and one day. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to all of you out there who are graduating right about now or just graduated. This is dedicated to the class of 2023, especially the Xenia High School class. But for all you 2023 graduates, I hope that you listen to Good Times and you make it the song of your summer for this year, and it brings you good memories. There'll be a link to it in the description of the show. For now, let's get to the conversation with Hiba. Masakher, Hiba. Oh, Masakher! I would ask you how you are in Arabic, but I don't know how to say that. You'll have to help me with that. <laughs> I got you. You would say, like, Kifakalik. Kifakalik? Kifakalik. Kifakalik. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool. Uh, shukran. <laughs> you, you got it. Like, you're basically a brother now. What can I say? Like, Sweet. I'm, I'm a language nerd, and I'm one of those people that has always found people who were of different cultures than me more interesting than me. Hmm. And obviously, you grew up here because I'm listening to you speak English, and you sound like any other American kid. But um, your name is Heba Luxi, which is not a typical Midwestern name. So you have oh. some other uh, roots. Would you mind explaining to the listeners uh, what those might be? Of course. Oh, my goodness. So um, both of my parents immigrated here from Morocco. So I am the um, first person in my entire family to be born in America. So I get a lot of like uh, my passion and a lot of my heritage and who I am comes from my mom. So um, she came here from Morocco uh, around the time, I think, 18 years ago. Okay. And um, we still do a lot of things that she does like um, in Morocco, but a lot of things we kind of let go as we started becoming more Americanized in a way. So I really took in the journey to kind of reconnect back to my heritage and reconnect back to my roots because I just feel it's so important that we continue to do so. And I can find so much power and passion in coming back to my roots and like making tea with my mom and speaking in Arabic. So I feel like sometimes those things can be lost in um as I'm growing up in America. It is, and I say this as an old guy that has learned languages that didn't grow up bilingual. It is such mm -hmm. a gift to be able to speak more than one language. And quite often children of immigrants leave their, their family language behind because let's face it, there's a lot of crazy people in this country that look at people who speak more than one language as bad or they, or they, yeah. they make kid, the kids feel bad for knowing something else. And Knowing more than one language can only help you in life, so I'm glad you haven't let that go. That's really cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Mint tea, I'm going to guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, so how often do, do your folks make tagine is what I want to know. <laughs> okay. Tagine, we don't make it often. But it's kind of more of like a celebratory thing, but okay. tea, we make every single day. Got I wrote to. my entire college essay on the art of making tea, actually. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> and... Uh, Merguez. Do you guys eat merguez? Uh, no, not often, no? actually. All right, see, I, I have not been to Morocco, but it's, it is very high on my list of places to visit. I'll have to take you someday, honestly. 
That would be really cool. You could translate for me for people that don't speak, right? I I don't speak Arabic and I could translate for you if you run into people that speak French. That would be be awesome. It would be perfect. So power duo, you know what I mean? (laughs) It would be awesome. Uh, We should introduce you officially to the listeners. So Hiba, I would like you to introduce yourself and your own words to the folks listening today. Hello, everyone. My name is Hiba Luxi. I'm a senior in Xenia, and I'm graduating on May 23rd. Actually, May 24th. Just kidding. <laughs> and um, I love to read. I love writing and I love poetry. That's great. By the time this podcast gets aired, you will have already graduated. So this That's is future so me saying crazy. congratulations, Hiba, for graduating from senior Thank high school. Uh, I also graduated from senior high school, but wow. you are not a thing yet in 96 when I graduated from senior high school. So the reason I found out about you is because you are an expert poet reciter person. And since I don't want to say any of the details wrong, and I know like maybe you don't like talking about yourself and how awesome you are, but sorry, you're going to have to. I would like you to explain the awesome poetry recitation competition thing that you won and such. Thank you. Okay. You're right. I don't like talking about myself often, but I will for you. Okay, I got you. So poetry, poetry out loud is a competition I've competed in since sophomore year. So basically the entire like gist of the competition is you pick three competition pieces and um, you pick out of like a big website with like 3000 poems and you scroll through them. You pick a poem and then you have to memorize it and you have to recite it in a way that the audience can understand. And you're graded on your like presence. You're graded on every like small minor detail of how you speak the poem is like um, corrected and you're graded on everything. So you basically get up on a stage, you recite a poem that's not yours, but it makes it even harder because you have to like get in the mind of the uh, get in the mind of the author and try to understand exactly where they're coming from and why they even wrote the piece in the first place. So that's like mainly the thing. And then um, I competed my sophomore year and my junior year, and I didn't make it to um, state, the state competition. And then my senior year, I was able to make it to the state competition and then be the champion of Ohio and then compete at the national level. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. So I want to talk about, I don't think we had this when I was in school. There, when, when you recite, is it just in front of judges or are there other people in the room? It's in front of judges and like other people. Okay. And obviously they want to make sure you don't mess up any words, which means you have to put a lot of work into memorizing the works. Oh yeah. But from what you said, it seems like they're judging you on your ability to emote. Yes, everything. They're judging you on your facial expressions, the way that you, uh, the way that you move your arms, the way that your body is moving, like uh, the way that you are initially understanding the piece. And if the authors don't understand what you're coming from, or even what the piece means, then that's like, major deduction of like your entire overall score that sounds less like poetry reciting and more like acting actually it it kind of is but i I would say it's not like in in the acting sphere because it's more like how you feel the poetry and how you feel every single word and they actually take points off if you act like they can tell the difference between when you're understanding the poetry and when you're acting wow yeah (laughs) now do they want you to recite it the way the original writer would, or do you have leeway to bring your own flavor or style to it? Because, you, you know, sometimes you might feel subversive and you might want to interpret something in a way the writer didn't mean, but that's kind of artistic. Are you that allowed is. to do that? 
Yes, you are. So the uh, you can you get so it depends. It's a very like um, thin line between you're taking complete control over the poem and then um, not respecting the author's voice versus completely doing everything by the book and by the author. So I would say it's a little bit of a mix of both, but you have to be really careful between putting your own spin on it versus taking the author's voice out of it completely. That's that is fascinating to me. <laughs> what poem did you choose to recite to win? Ohio. Okay, that's a, that's an excellent question. So the three pieces that I picked were Author's Prayer by Ilya Kaminsky, There Are Birds Here by Jamal May, and The Paradox by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Dayton, Ohio. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Why were those your selections? Obviously, that's the next logical question. Right. Do you want me to go into like um every, like each reason I picked the piece? Yeah. Or just like overall. Okay. No, I want to I want to know what motivated Everything. you to to select these poems because obviously they have to mean something to you if you're going to spend that kind of time. Oh yeah. Them, right. So for author's prayer, the biggest reason I chose the poem was so it, throughout the poem, the beginning he's talking about how if he speaks for the dead, he has to leave this animal of my body, right? He has to leave this body, and then towards the end of the poem, he's realizing that by living, he is speaking for the dead, and especially as a Moroccan American, I can see that like when I when I talk about my heritage and when I talk about my culture, I sometimes feel this burden that I have to continue writing the stories of the past, that I have to like forego, forego my own life in order to be able to share the stories of my ancestors accurately. But then towards the end of the poem, he's realizing just by living, I am like being a representer of everyone who has lived before me. Just by living, I am here. And because I am here, I am allowed to live. I am allowed to sleep and prayer and dance and sing. Just because of doing that, I can share the stories of my ancestors. So I feel like it's so important to be able to understand that this kind of burden that you feel to share the stories of your ancestors and continue living through your heritage it doesn't have to be a weight you have to carry that's really profound thank you i appreciate that and then for the second poem there are birds here by jamal may so if you look at all three of my pieces separately they're very different poems but there are birds here by jamal may talk so the beginning of the poem says for detroit and it's really interesting because he talks throughout the poem and it's kind of like an argument he's having with someone else he's like yes there is um there are, there's confetti here like people are laughing but the other side is saying that this like city is full of horrible people that the people who are here are like um already bad that if you raise your children here then they're already bad and it's interesting how he says for detroit because sometimes we think about a city like detroit and we automatically think higher crime mate or crime race we automatically think horrible people we autom automatically think like scary all these dangerous things right but there are still people living in detroit and these people still deserve to be loved and still deserve to be respected and they still deserve to have the rights that anyone else would have in any other city so it's interesting how he kind of makes this entire piece like um, like he's arguing with something else or he's arguing with someone else. And sometimes I can feel the same way as well because people will look at me and they'll automatically think, oh my gosh, she's a terrorist. Or oh my gosh, all these different things about my heritage and my culture. And then I find myself debating with them and arguing with them and telling them like, hey, like the people who live in the Middle East are still people. They deserve to be treated respectfully. They deserve to have like love and happiness. They deserve to be able to go home and not feel scared to sleep. You know what I mean? And so I feel like it's such a powerful piece because not only is he arguing with this other side, but he's like at the end, like it's not like it's not like coming to a close at the end the argument is still there at the end the people who are arguing with him still get the last say and i feel like it's so interesting to see it that way 
that's moving. You almost got me crying. All right. So yeah, uh, really now the third that. one. The, okay, so there are so Paul Lawrence Dunbar. First of all, he's from Dayton, Ohio. He has um, I when, I when I did some research about Paul Lawrence Dunbar, he was um, birthed to emancipated slaves. So once the Emancipation Proclamation came into existence, um, his parents moved to Dayton, Ohio to begin a new life, right? And so throughout the poem, it's really interesting because he's saying all the things that he is. So the poem first starts with. I am the mother of sorrows. I am the ender of grief. I am the bud and the blossom. I am the late falling leaf. And it's really interesting because all these things are kind of like paradoxical to itself, right? Like towards the towards all of the poetry, he's like talking about how he's this, but he's also this. Like he's talking about how he can't, that when you look at him, don't just think of him as one thing. Don't just think of him as the things that have already happened to him. Don't think of him as the things that have happened to his family. He is more than everything that's already happened to him. And if we take a look at his poetry in the first place, his poetry is even paradoxical of itself. He writes poetry in a completely different like language and art style that you could even read it and think it's a completely different author compared to this poetry, which is about like um, how people can see him and think of all these different things that he is without even asking him what he wants to be perceived as. Right. And then towards the end of the poem, I think it's really interesting how he talks about how death is an equalizer at the end. Like we go from all these things about how like he is this, but he's also this. He is this, but he's also this. Like he has all these great things within him, but you still want to see him as something else. And then at the end, he talks about how death then is no longer but life. And at the end, he'll take you to the grave and you're going to see him for who he truly is. And I feel like a lot of us can really like what's the word? feel that kind of like emotion of being so many different things, but people only want to see them as this thing. People only want to put them in this one box. But he talks about how at the end, death is going to show you that we are all the same, that it's not going to matter what this is, what this is, how you look at me, how you see me, because at the end, we're going to all come to heaven together. At the end, you're going to come with me. And he talks about this character called the dream woman and how he's going to take you to this dream woman. So it's a very different poem than all the rest of my pieces, but he really talks about how a paradox cannot represent a human life, how we are so many different things, how he is so many different things, and it's unfair for you to see him as this one thing. I dig that. Obviously, you have to read a lot of poetry in order to decide, here are the ones that I'm going <laughs> to present, and then you have to really dig deeper than any normal person would ever dig into the piece in order to be able to read it like that. Oh, does, yeah. all, does all of that work inspire you to write your own is my question. <laughs> that is actually a perfect, perfect question. Yes. I, when I first started doing this like competition in my sophomore year, I was like, the only poetry I know is William Shakespeare. And I don't like that poetry. I'm good. Like, this is dumb. I'm only doing it because I think it's going to be kind of fun or whatever. And then I started the competition, changed my life completely. It was the first time I ever got on a stage. And then the first time I ever actually started writing my own poetry. So I feel like it was just so powerful being able to take my own words and put it down on a page and then be able to see how my emotions reflect on a piece of paper or on a Google Doc. Like, I just feel like it just it's given me so much. And I feel so honored to be able to sit here and say that I was the state champion of Ohio because this competition has given me the power to take back my own voice, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, have nationals, has that happened yet? Oh, it's already happened. Yeah. How did you do? 
I placed in the top 24 of the nation. That, that's a lot of work. Where were nationals at? Where did you have, where'd you get a chance to go see? It was in Washington, D.C. Well, that's cool. Did they let you guys go to like the Smithsonian stuff while you're in town? Yeah, it was so much fun. I think my favorite place, though, was getting a tour of the Capitol. I have not done that. You need to. You need to. It's so beautiful. I don't know how safe it is, but maybe someday. I do like the Smithsonian, though. Uh, I'm a history nerd. So, yeah. Um, so because I do research when I do podcasts with people, uh, I'm not I was totally not stalking you, but I do <laughs> as much research as I can. And I learned that you are in Business Professionals of America. And I was oh in Business God. Professionals of America as a kid. Hold up. But not only are you in BPA, you're the national president, which <laughs> I never figured anyone from Xenia would be the national president. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so when I was a very young person, I was in BPA and I went to nationals uh, both my junior and senior years. Congratulations. And, awesome. It's a long time ago. but uh, And I made friends with all the kids that were on, I don't even know what you call it, like the staff, because I noticed that like a lot of people would avoid them like out and, and I'm like, they're just like kids and they wanted to do this thing. So um, yeah, I made buddies my junior year with all the kids that were running for president. And so when I, my senior year, when I went to nationals, like I already knew most of the kids on the, on the national committees, so that was pretty cool. But uh what made you decide to 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 be national president of BPA? Because that's probably a lot of extra work that you didn't really need in your life. <laughs> yes, but I will say one thing: I wasn't. I'm not the national president, but I was the state president of Ohio. Uh, so that's same, still a lot of work. So I, <laughs> yeah. I messed that up. But you're state no, you're president. Good, you're good. That's still like I represented. So Ohio is like the headquarters of BPA. Indeed. So I represented over um, nine thousand kids for my entire term. Yes. <laughs> But the reason actually is kind of funny. So this is actually really interesting. No one's asked me this question, but the end of my junior year, I was doing Poetry Out Loud, right? Doing all back to Poetry Out Loud. I was doing Poetry Out Loud and then I didn't make it to um, the state competition. And I was like, dang, like, what am I going to do to fill my time? I guess I'll just run as a, I'll run for a state officer position. I, I was doing um, BPA at that point for four months. I was literally doing it for four months. And I was like, you know, what would be so funny if I ran for a state officer. Like I could do this, but I was not expecting the amount of work, the amount of time and how much you have to really understand this organization. And then when I began to like truly start my BPA journey, that's when I like everything clicked for me. And I was like, okay, this is fun. Like being on a stage and giving a speech, like this is fun. Like talking to people about what I want to accomplish and what I want to do, this is fun. And so I really found like kind of not my life's purpose, but kind of a faction of what I want my purpose to be in life. And I met so many different people and just being able to be on a stage and then represent all these people and like being chosen to be president of Ohio's BPA, like life-changing stuff i loved it so much oh my goodness where were uh where did you get a chance to go for nationals uh last year and this year for bpa so for nationals last year i went we went to dallas texas nice and then for nationals this year we went to anaheim california better yeah i better better oh my gosh <laughs> i'm telling you i was so like I was I don't know what I was expecting from Texas. If anyone from Texas is like listening to this, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all, but I don't think I'm going to come back for a visit. I'm just going to say it like Anaheim, California. I was just having a ball. Like it was so much fun. In Texas's defense, Austin is pretty cool. Um, that's true. That's true. Dallas, Texas. 
don't know. <laughs> I've only spent two days there, so I don't I don't know enough really? to talk. So you got better trips than me. My junior year, we went to Nashville and we went on bus. Nashville's close enough that we took a bus. And that's really disappointing. Um, yeah. My senior year, we went to Phoenix, and that was the first time really? I'd ever set foot on a plane. So wow, um, are you serious? Yeah, like uh my parents weren't big travelers. So I remember being really scared at takeoff. <laughs> But I made some crazy life memories doing that stuff, uh, but I didn't have to run the whole state. So it's a little, you have a different perspective. Did you, uh, did you compete at the BPA stuff or just kind of administrate? So for junior year, I went because I was the president of Ohio. And then for senior year, I actually competed in extemporaneous speech. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? Yeah, I finished uh, I, I, I finished first in Ohio my junior year and third at nationals. And oh, then uh, nationals is crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then second in Ohio my senior year and fifth at nationals. It's weird. I did better wow. as a junior than as a senior. But uh, I, as you know, from having done this, you meet a lot of cool oh, people. Oh, yeah. You get to do a lot of cool things. It's it's a life experience. Like for me, it's a life experience that I'm not ever gonna forget. And so when I found, you know, doing my research, I was like, oh, he was he was in BPA. That's really cool. That's so crazy. We did the same exact competition. Like you know how difficult extemporaneous speech can be. I like, do. Oh my goodness, it is. Just, it makes your heart like pump. That's for sure. It makes your heart pump. You know what I thought looking back. You could always, I, I was not clever enough to think about this as a kid, but you could always just not talk about what they assigned you because it's not like the judges know what the topics are. Oh, yeah. You could totally make something up and just like knock it out of the park. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that as a kid? I guess I, I was too honest. <laughs> I think for my last extemporaneous speech competition, I got like, um, does Made in America really count in the global market? And oh. I was reading the comps and I was like, like gotta, really face on the floor. I was like, no way. So I just started writing. I was like, this is enough. Like I just, I've just got to go like this. I placed top 10 in the nation, but I was like, I, I started to completely lie. and was like, you know what? You need to start believing. I don't even know what I said. I blanked out to be honest. Was your answer yes or no is what I want to know. I said, okay, that's a good, that's a good question. My answer was no. Made in America does not really matter in the global market. I agree. Yeah, amen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so the thing is, I'm pretty sure the judges don't really care what your answer is. They yeah. just want to see how you defend it and mm -hmm. whether you're poised, right? They want they, they're checking for your poise, for whether you're making sense, uh, for whether I mean, they know you're nervous. They're not stupid, but how well do you control the nerves? I mean, mm -hmm. that's got to be the kind of thing they're looking for, right? And um, so you're a really experienced public speaker, so I I feel like this. Uh, this is something that you would definitely have been good at. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot, actually. And I know that this probably looks really good on your resume and your uh, your college transcripts when you're getting ready to go to school. Have you selected a university to attend? I actually have. Just yesterday, I put my deposit for my school. Are we allowed to know? Oh, yeah. I'm going to Cornell University for public policy. Oh, dear Lord, have mercy. That's <laughs> one of them smart kids schools. Oh, gosh. Not the smart kid schools, yeah. Oh my goodness. And how does your family feel about this? Because that's a quite a ways away from home. Yeah, eight hour drive. My mom's been a little bit like um nervous about it, but she just knows that wherever I end up, I'm gonna be like 
doing the best I can and making memories and taking every opportunity in because like I feel like my motto in life is taking every opportunity in and pushing myself to beyond my limits and keeping keep fighting and keep going that's like kind of the person I am so she knows that wherever I end up I'm going to make the most out of it and going to make this experience as memorable and as important and as powerful as possible you're going from blue to big red yeah I know I know <laughs> that might oh require that might require some wardrobe changes <laughs> I know just a little bit you I'm wearing blue right now representing Xenia but you are I gotta you say, you're wearing red, so I think you just knew. I am. I just had to find a shirt because normally I don't wear one, and like you can't get on the Zoom with somebody and not have a shirt on. That's not. It's uncouth, as they say. It's so uncouth. it's uncouth. You can see there's like paint drops on this one. This is just oh, like an no. old one. <laughs> this, this is a. This is not a video podcast, so no one is oh going to know. Gosh. I mean, I will give you the video, but I'm not okay, going to. I'm not so going to distribute awesome. the video. Um. All right. So there's a couple of questions I ask everybody who's a guest. And so you're going to be subjected to those. Uh, Of course. You are aware that I'm a musician. So one of them is a music related question. Think back as far as you can remember. And this is going to be a lot fewer years for you than it would be for someone my age. What is the first song you can remember hearing in your life? Oh, that is so good. Okay. The first song I can ever remember hearing in my life. Okay, it was probably a song by uh, Nancy Ajram. She is like an Arabic uh, musician. And my mom used to play her either Nancy Ajram or Adele, because my mom used to play them all the time, like growing up. So it was definitely one of the first songs I've ever heard. Nice. Do you remember the words to to the Nancy Adjurdom songs? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't listen to her anymore. My mom still plays it in the background, but I don't listen to her anymore. So I don't, sadly. Do you currently listen to any Arabic language artists? Right now, no. I need to, though. I really, really need to start doing that, but I don't. My sister does, but I don't. It's okay. It's a, thanks, for being, thanks for being real. I yeah, actually true. have no idea what young people listen to these days. Oh, yeah. My music tastes a little bit different, though. Like, oh, Tell my me. God. I, I am very curious. As really? a musician, okay. like, first of all, any, anyone you know that plays music actually should ask, do you play music? Okay. You you have a lot of talent, so I wouldn't be surprised if you did. <laughs> Thank you. I'm in my school's like vocal ensemble. Okay. But I don't really play music that much. It's like my, that's my sister's talent. Like she loves music, musical theater, but I'm more like public speaking and policy and like the opposite direction. Is that still Mr. Manley? No, Mr. Manley like left. I think, okay. I think two years, a couple years ago, actually. Because he's been. But at, Mr. Matthews is the one that teaches it now. He's been at it for a long time. Um, yeah. All right, so you don't actually make music. So what do you what do you listen to usually? I I listen to this band called the Oh Hellos. They're more like a folk indie. They're like a folk indie like band. It's like the kind of music you listen to when you're getting ready for like a medieval adventure. So okay. That's why I can describe it. Where are they from? They're from. I actually don't know. I've been listening to them since like freshman year, and I don't know. I think maybe Indiana. I feel like. So folk indie, is that like Mumford and Sons folk indie yeah, or like yeah, 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 Decemberist folk indie or yeah, like what kind of that folk indie. Okay. What else? I listened to the Oh Hello. Is it okay if I pull up my Spotify right now? Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. Go ahead. I can't remember. I listen to a lot of jazz music too. Jazz. Not a lot of people your age are listening to jazz. I'm <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Thank you. I listened to the Crane Wives. Have you heard of the Crane Wives? 
I have not. I do have the December's album called The Crane Wife, but I am not really? aware of a band. Yeah, they they December's put out a record for me. They're so good. You know, the Crane Wives or um, The Amazing Devil or is it really music that you would listen to if you're like getting ready to go on like a fantasy adventure in the woods? You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of music I listen to. I also listen to a lot of My Little Pony music. I don't know why, but it's just something I've I didn't know that was still a thing. That was a thing when I was a kid. So yeah. I don't know. It just it just calms my soul, you know. Like when I'm like really really stressed out, I listen to music I like a seven year old would listen to, and all that's of a sudden fine. I feel better. You know, I'm like I'm good. But that's mainly the kind of music, this genre that I listen to is either seven year old music or like um, folk indie, going to a middle evil like adventure kind of music. I dig it, and you have given me things to look for. Uh, one thing I wish that I understood better when I was your age is, you know, peer pressure and such. And y'all want to be cool. At least when I wanted to be cool. I used to make excuses for some of my musical tastes when I was a kid. But now I'm like, yeah, just listen to what you want. And uh, I think the older I get, the better I'm able to distinguish between this thing sucks and this thing doesn't suck. It's just not for me. Yeah. Right. Like when I was a kid, if I didn't like something, I'd be like, that sucks. And I'm like, now that I actually play and listen to it at a deeper level, I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. they're really good musicians. I just don't like what they're doing. Wow. Do you think your perspective on music has changed because you're a musician now? Absolutely. I didn't start learning how to play till I was in my early 20s. And wow. I listened to music a completely different way once I started learning how to make it. And I wish that I had started earlier. Like when I was in my teens or I, or I actually kind of wish my parents had got me piano lessons or something because the the theory base and this and just the way you understand how music functions can only mm-hmm. help you going forward no matter what genre you pick no matter what instrument you pick uh right. yeah I'm, I'm i'm very nerdy when it comes to music i think that's awesome i love when people talk about their passion it's like the most interesting thing to me me too and that is why i have a podcast i let people come and talk to me about the things they're into um that is right. so awesome. next question <laughs> I think you're the youngest person I've asked this one to. What did your childhood smell like? What did my childhood smell like? That is a, okay, so it smelled like, I already have an immediate answer for this. It smelled like incense and um, mint tea. (laughs) Elaborate. So for incense, my mom does this thing called Bahor. It's like um, a Moroccan thing where you take a charcoal, like a charcoal, and then you put like, um, like leaves and like um like these kind of rock things that I have no idea what the names are and then it like um creates smoke and then they take it through the house and they take it like through the house or like through the doors or whatever to like kind of clear the bad vibes and then um mint leaves because my mom makes tea every single day and we drink green like green mint leaf tea every single day we have like um we don't have we used to have mint leaves growing outside of our backyard but we don't have them anymore but um she would make like tea every single day and then she would uh, burn behold almost every single week that is awesome <laughs> thank you uh so we're about at the end of our time before i let you go where can i send the listeners if they want to connect with you get to know more about you follow your adventures as you go to cornell Oh my goodness. That is a great question. Hold on. Let me make sure I, I don't have my Instagram memorized, but I brought it up. It's uh, Hiva, H-I-V-A underscore sun, S-U-N 27. And that's it. <laughs> Excellent. Thank, Thank you. I know you're very busy because you do a lot of stuff 
And I really do thank you for taking the time to talk to a person who's old, as old as or older than your parents and teachers. Congratulations on the success you've had, not just with the, the poetry recitation, but also with Bits of Professionals of America. You're obviously a great student because you got into Cornell, which is not like an easy thing that everyday people do. Thank you. I'm sure your folks are proud of you. I'm sure your little sister looks up to you. That is really cool. You're getting ready to graduate. You're going to have like all these parties and you're going to have a bunch of fun. And then you're going to have to go get serious about 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 learning again so i hope I that you staying home and reading my book you know what i mean i'm just that kind of person oh well that's see that's a lot less stressful but yeah i, I uh you're awesome and i wish you the best thank and I'm, I'm glad that you were able to take the time to talk to me thank you so much for talking to me and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity for whoever's listening i'm wishing you all the best of luck you've got this enjoy your life and go outside you know touch some grass you know live your life that's <laughs> it once again, thank you very much, Shukran, to Hiba Luxi for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, dear listener, for being here. Once again, this episode is brought to you by Good Times, and I'd like to dedicate it to people like Hiba Luxi in the class of 2023. Congratulations on graduating. Go out there and do cool stuff. If you need a song to groove to, 2023 graduates, while you're doing cool stuff, check out Good Times, my newest single, which I hope to become your song of the summer. Thanks. Bye.